The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church. Of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today's teaching comes from FIBC Senior Pastor. Senior Pastor, N. Eric Nielsen. God is faithful. Amen. Even though sometimes we may have weeks where we feel like uh, it's a struggle, God is faithful. Um, I had one of those weeks this week where I had those affirming moments and said, yes, this is why I do what I do. Have you ever had one of those days or one of those weeks? where you realize this is exactly why I do what I do. I don't know what you do, but maybe if you're a researcher, perhaps if you were to discover a particular gene mutation that can be directly linked towards cancer and you uh, somehow are able to discover it and prevent cancer, wouldn't you say, this is why I do what I do? Maybe if you were an electrical engineer and you discovered some kind of a material that could receive a, an electric charge, and it could power our mobile devices for at least a month before it would have to be recharged. Would you also sit back and say, yes, this is why I do what I do. Now, some people in their vocation, they create a method to distribute food more efficiently to areas of famine or earthquake. Others invent a sonar device so that you can find living, breathing beings underneath the rubble or under an avalanche. Others help people learn so that they can attain knowledge and skills, and others create art that communicate a message that's important for everyone to hear or that causes people to sense love, awe, and inspiration. I don't know what you do, but whatever it is that you do, don't you have those moments when you say, I was made for this. This is significant and meaningful. This is why I do what I do. Friends, this last week, I had one of those weeks. Strangely enough, it was from studying a passage of the Bible that one could arguably say is one of the goriest passages of the Bible, a time when God's covenant people seemed to be at their worst, a time when they should have been experiencing blessing and prosperity. It is a morbid chapter in the life of the Israelites. And one of the amazing things I find about God's revelation is that his authors, writing through his inspiration, simply tell it like it is, even if it is gory, even if it does describe the failures and the mistakes of his people. It doesn't always paint a rosy picture of people when they are at their best. Now, friends, each one of us are here for a particular purpose, and I believe that maybe we need to rediscover why it is that we do what we do, because we were made for eternity. This life is not all there is. There is a greater purpose. This is only part of a journey that extends beyond our physical existence here on earth. And yes, we are all capable of doing something that is significant and meaningful, whatever your vocation happens to be. And if you fail to see your great purpose, then most likely you will simply fill your day with empty pleasures or vain toiling, and you will not find real satisfaction and lasting joy. But my hope is that after today's message, you will be more motivated to pursue that which you were made for. Because today we're going to look at two incidents, two stories that epitomize the time of the judges. 
Two stories. The first one I'll title Micah and his priest. And the second one, the Levite and his concubine. And my hope is that we'll be able to see that whatever it is that you and I do, Christians today should be able to say, this is why I do what I do. You can turn with me if you'd like to to Judges chapter 7 and follow along, but I'm not going to read a whole bunch of of passages of Scripture today because I'm going to summarize these stories for you. But the first one you'll find in Judges chapter 17 and 18, Micah and his priest. And really, this story is a background story to how the tribe of Dan, one of the tribes of the Israelites, how they turned away from the Lord and how they became idol worshipers, setting up a place of worship of their own instead of the one that the Lord had established. Now, Micah and his mother, as you'll notice, they violated several of the Lord's commandments, the commandments he gave them for living in the promised land. Micah was a man from the hill country of Ephraim. He had stolen 1,100 shekels of silver from his own mother. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) His mother didn't know who had stolen the silver, but she had placed a curse on the silver. And that was enough then for Micah to begin feeling a little guilty because he had heard of the curse. So he fessed up that he he had been the one that had stolen the silver. And his mother then received the silver back and dedicated it to the Lord, but had an image and an idol made out of that silver. How do you, how do you get to worshiping and honor the Lord with your silver by creating a graven image and a molded idol? Micah then kept these false gods and made a place of worship, complete with worship garments, And then he made his own son his priest. Well, then a Levite from Bethlehem happens to come to Ephraim. Now, a Levite was the only one who was allowed to be a priest before the Lord. And Micah then installs this Levite as his family priest, and now he expects that the Lord is going to bless his actions. The end of chapter 17 says, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. Well, we know that the Lord is not pleased with idol worship and gave a commandment not to create anything that would be worshipped. But see, the author of the Judges is careful to note that there was no king and that, quote, everyone did as he saw fit. They did what was right in their own eyes. And the author's inclusion then leads us to believe that this book was written during the time of the kings. But these bizarre actions of Micah and these stories that follow are all recorded with this commentary. Everyone did as he saw fit. Well, the story doesn't end here. The Danites, the people of Dan, they took the land around Laish and they established their own cult of worship using Micah's priestly garments, his idols, and his priest. They sent five men on a reconnaissance mission. They stumbled upon Micah's house. They recognized the voice of this uh, Levite priest. And when they came back then to conquer that area of land, they simply stole Micah's idol, Micah's aphod, the priestly garment, and Micah's priest, and said, now you're going to be our priest. And they set up a place of worship. And the author points out all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So the details of this account reveal how many of the Lord's commandments were violated just in these two chapters alone. The theft of 1,100 shekels, 
violates the Eighth Commandment. You know this one, you shall not steal. The production and the image of the image and the idol violates the Second Commandment. You shall have no other gods and you shall not make for yourself an idol. This makeshift place of worship violating God's instructions that the only place to worship God would be the place that he would choose, quote, as a dwelling place for his name. And then establishing his son as a priest, violating the instructions of only Levites being serving, uh, serving as priests. And then having a Levite later obviously meant that Micah thought that he was doing the right thing now that he had done a whole bunch of wrong things. But it contributes to an entire cult of worship practiced by a whole tribe of Israel. So friends, this personal sin was not just a personal issue. And I want you to observe carefully that at the end of Joshua, Joshua specifically said to them, and I quote from chapter 23, verse 6, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, do not invoke the names of their gods. You must not serve them or bow down to them. Hold fast to the Lord. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. How far had they come from just a few years earlier, committing themselves to the Lord, and then here observing all kinds of uh, practices that broke several of the laws. Clearly, there were people and places among the Israelites where the worship of the Lord was corrupted and the worship of false gods in ways that violated the Lord's commands. That was the first story. The second story found in chapters 19 through 21, I'll call it the Levite and his concubine. Now this story has some especially sordid details. Read it for yourself one time and you too will probably be shocked. But there was a Levite of the priestly clan. He had a concubine. And this concubine, it says, played the harlot against him. In other words, was unfaithful to him and leaves him to live with her father again. And already just these early details show that some of the society's decline had already happened. Multiple marriages, unfaithfulness in marriage, family spats that couldn't be reconciled, this Levite then goes on to the concubine's house to bring back what was rightfully his, his concubine. And on their way home, they had to stop in a village called Gibeah, a village that was among the Benjamites. And there they were shown no hospitality. Finally, an older man invited them into his home. And soon the villagers became, began demanding that the host hand over this man why? That they might have sex with him. An act that then was not acceptable because the man responded, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, don't do this disgraceful thing. It was already disgraceful in that time. But then here's what will shock you. Instead, the old man offers his virgin daughter as though that were acceptable. And the Levite's concubine, and it says to, quote, use them and do to them whatever you wish. The man would not accept that arrangement from the old man. Finally, the Levite sends out his concubine to them, and they rape her and abuse her throughout the night until dawn. The concubine was able to return to the house, but was only able to reach the threshold of the door where she collapsed there and lay there until daylight. And in the morning, the Levite gets up, gets ready to saddle his donkey, and as he leaves, stumbles upon his wife, or excuse me, stumbles upon his concubine lying there on the ground. And you know what he says to her? 
Get up, let's go. Get up, let's go. There was no reply because she had died. He put her on his donkey, set out for home, and when he reached home, he cut her up with his knife, and it said, quote, limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them into all the areas of Israel. It shouldn't surprise us that the effect on Israel was shock and anger. The nation gathered together against the Levite, and the Levite then explained, well, look at what these men of Gibeah had done to her. So the tribes of Israel then go up against the Benjamites, demanding that these men of Gibeah be handed over, and it says, so that we may put them to death and purge the evil from Israel. Praise God that there were people who considered these acts horrible and terrible and worthy of punishment. Well, it resulted in a war because the Benjamites, shockingly, did not want to give them up. They were ready to stand and defend these men of Gibeah. So they went to battle against each other. And in the first battle, 22,000 Israelites were killed. The Benjamites proved stronger than them. And the people of Israel wept before the Lord until evening, it says, asking, should we still go against our brothers? And the Lord said to them, go up against them. On the second day, another 18,000 of Israelites fell. And again they went before the Lord, weeping and fasting, presenting their offerings and inquiring, quote, shall we go up again to battle with Benjamin, our brother, or not? And the Lord responded, go, for tomorrow I will give them into your hands. And sure enough, he did. The third day, the third battle, only 30 men of Israel fell, but more than 25,000 of the Benjamites fell. And then when everything was said and done, when only 600 were left and they had fled into the desert, they realized we were successful in defeating them, but now one of our own tribes is on the brink of extinction. And they devised a method of finding wives for the survivors, and then the book of Judges ends without a commentary on that account except for a single sentence. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. In other words, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Friends, do you see this as well as I do, that this was undoubtedly a dark period of Israel's history? Consider their value of human life. Concubines were like property. The concubine was used for sexual pleasure and then left to die. The Levite was perfectly fine with letting the men abuse his concubine if it meant he would escape such abuse. There was war between brothers. And the Benjamite men were ready to stand up for the men of Gilead, of Gibeah, excuse me. The vile sexual practices, some were considered acceptable and others were still considered disgraceful. Well, friends, what I realized is that you and I today have the answer to the decline and the decay of humanity. The answer is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer and Savior. Because, friends, humanity needs a Redeemer to save us from our sinful ways and to help us to lead a righteous life. The Bible tells us that ever since the fall in Eden, mankind has been affected by our heritage of sin. All of us in Adam were born with this sin nature, also called the flesh. And this flesh causes us to rebel against the Lord's will and to act against His ways. And with sin reigning in our mortal bodies, we offer the members of our body as instruments of sin. And we seek ways to satisfy our own pleasures 
the desires of the flesh, and we have little regard for the consequences and little regard for the warnings that God has given to us that the wages of sin is death. Now, some would argue, yes, there's still a measure of restraint for many. Praise God for that, that there are still laws and that there's still customs that conform us to what is acceptable and that most of us do not become as depraved as we could become. But friends, values in our culture change over time. Laws also change of what is permissible and what is not permissible. Things that are considered sinful and unrighteous now being considered acceptable, even recommendable and boasted about. But see, whenever mankind, whenever humanity is given free reign to do as he pleases, it will result in the decline and the decay that is similar to what Israel experienced during the time of the judges. Now, we will often experience moments when we feel like, praise God, the world is still a beautiful place. Every now and then, all of a sudden, a shocking news story will come out. And then we're reminded once again that yes, this is a dark time in the world. Maybe you remember the name Ariel Castro, holding several women kidnapped, captive, repeatedly raped and beaten for years in Cleveland before finally one of them managed to escape. It was a story recently released through ABC News. You see children forced into factory labor in many Southeast Asian countries. You see women suffering acid attacks at the hands of their very own husbands. Brothels and forced prostitution and human trafficking, the rise of drug use and addiction, the availability and opportunity to indulge in any and all kinds of sexual perversions, the exploitation of others and slavery. Friends, we don't need another reminder of how evil that mankind can become if his desires and pursuits go unchecked. Because a society without the fear of God and that uses instead of God's revelation for right and wrong, uses feeling, desire, convenience, and pragmatism as their standard will inevitably lead to some decay and finally its own destruction. Why? Because mankind, in our sin nature, we're caused to be selfish. We're rebellious against authority. We're lustful, we're prideful, we're greedy. We're envious of others. If you listen to some talk shows on the radio or TV where people are discussing issues and trying to solve their problems and, and giving their opinions of what people should do, you can hear how confused people are about life, about love, about sex, about gender identity, about values and morals. And everyone seems to have their own opinion about what they believe everyone else's opinion should be. Friends, that's exactly the time of the judges, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. It's true today as it is in judges. I like what Gary Ezzo says, in a relativistic society, and I'm not quoting, I'm kind of just, um, uh, it may not be an exact quote, but in a relativistic society where God's revelation is not the standard of behavior, then truth becomes a matter of opinion. And everyone's opinion becomes a matter of absolute truth. See, people think that with all the freedoms we have, we ought to be happier. We ought to be more satisfied. We ought to generally live much better. 
but nothing can be further from the truth as people remain confused and despairing and unable to cope with all of the consequences of all of the sins of our own actions. Now, at times, it may not seem like, yes, this society, this country, this city is all of a sudden going to collapse. Well, let me remind you too, though, that a house doesn't collapse in one day. Ants in the foundation slowly eat away its foundation. Termites in the woodwork cause it to rot slowly. Mold on the walls grows not overnight, but slowly. And yes, unless the process is reversed, the house will one day collapse. A coastline doesn't disappear in one day. Wave after wave after wave will cause it to disappear. Now, the only way for people to overcome the power of sin and the ways of death is to be saved through Jesus Christ. And this is why I go back to saying that we need a Redeemer to save us from our sinful ways, to help us to lead a righteous life, and the answer to the decline and the decay of mankind is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Jesus, who had no sin because he was born of the Holy Spirit, and he was fully obedient to the Father. He became sin when God laid on him the sins of the world, our sins that we had committed. God's wrath against sin was then directed at Christ instead of at us, as he took the punishment that we deserved. And because he was raised from the dead, then all who believe in Jesus Christ are buried with him and raised to walk in newness of life then the decline and the decay can be reversed. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ and raised us up with Christ. Because once a sinner has confessed, acknowledging his sins to God, receiving Christ as Redeemer, then he is born again. Then he is regenerated. Then the process of decline and decay is reversed. He's raised to new life and transformed by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit. How? To walk in obedience, in willing reverence and committed love. Many people think that human effort will be enough. Maybe they're relying on more information, better technology, medication, psychoanalysis, Eastern mysticism, support groups. Maybe the internet will save us. No, we need a redeemer. Because complete repentance and lasting change and real transformation requires the power of God through Jesus Christ. And that's what reminds me once again that this is why I do what I do. Because those who are redeemed are the ones whom God chooses to bring the message of redemption and the message of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. You look at history, you see the rise and fall of many civilizations and peoples, but it's in the times of decline and decay that God's people rise up. It's in these times that we are the salt and light to our generation to be different from the rest of the world. Their godly, godless arrogance and willful disobedience, we act as a preserving agent and a bearer of truth. And despite what the people around us may hold as their values for right and wrong, 
we have God's revelation and we are, are reverent before him, choosing to fear him and choosing to live by the standards that he has revealed. We choose to do good to others because others are precious to God. We choose to love people instead of material things. We choose to use our freedoms to live righteous and holy lives that are based on his standards and his revelation. And we do so not to glory in our own righteousness. It's not for us that we do it. We do it to demonstrate there is a better way than the way which seems right to a man and instead leads to his death. That's why we do it. And while the rest of the world does what seems right in their own eyes, you and I, as God's people, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We swim against the current of modern values and living instead by ancient virtues. And as you and I obey God in all that we do, we obey Him also in being His witnesses, sharing the message of redemption in Christ, and winning souls who are still dead in their trespasses and sins, so that they too can experience redemption and regeneration. So friends, I want you also today to rediscover why you do what you do every day of your week. I was called to the ministry of pastor, which I believe is to teach and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. My ministry is in the local church, and I believe that it is through the local church that God will make his presence known in this generation. That his people are called to be salt and light in this decaying society and this dark world. And the Lord has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. And the times of the judges were certainly a dark time in the history of Israel. Godlessness leading to unspeakable horrors. And I don't need to let you know, because you've probably seen it as well, that the godlessness today speaks or leads to unspeakable horrors as well. And we fail in our calling as salt and light if we simply accept the ways of the world. And worse, if we adopt the ways of the world as the ways of the church. And if we fail to proclaim a gospel that offers people the truth about sin, that they can be free from death and destruction. Now why is it that you do what you do? Because not every Christian is called to be a pastor. But every Christian, whatever your vocation may be, is called to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Every Christian, whatever their vocation, is called to be a disciple-maker. You are called to be an ambassador of Christ with the word of reconciliation. You are called to be a saint. And you are called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And you can be all of those things in whichever vocation you choose. Granted, of course, that the vocation is legal and it doesn't violate any of God's principles or commandments for you to be able to fulfill that vocation. So as an athlete, or as a banker, as a custodian, a developer, an elephant whisperer, a film instructor, a graphic designer, a horse breeder, you have contact with a segment of society that pastors and missionaries and church planters will never have. Why is it that you do what you do if it isn't to bring glory to God and bring the message of redemption to those who are around you. See, when we see all around us that there's godlessness, the effects and the influence of sinful desires causing breakups of families and destruction of lives and leaving relationships in ruin, you and I should be reminded of why we're still here on the earth. Why doesn't God 
As soon as a person become a, becomes a believer, why doesn't he just take us up into heaven? Our worship would be far more perfect there. Granted, Christy does a great job with it. Our fellowship would be supreme without sin to disrupt relationships. All these things would be better if God just removed us from earth as soon as we became believers and then worshipped Him in heaven. Why are you still on the earth? Friends, it's because you have people around you who don't yet know God, who are experiencing the decline and the decay of society that comes with sin. And you have the message of redemption. You have the answer, Jesus Christ. And people all around us are entering into a Christless eternity while we have the answer. We remain on earth because God has chosen to leave us as his witnesses and to make disciples out of sinners as part of his plan to reconcile the world to himself. So if you are a Christian today and you are still breathing now and awake at this time, you are God's agent to slow down this process of decline and decay. Perhaps God even wants you to bring about a revival. Because if we are truly surrendered to him, we may even be there to initiate a reverse in the decline around us. We're not going to change the world. Jesus Christ is. And for some strange, foolish reason, he chooses to use you and me in my particular role as a pastor and you in whatever particular role you're called to be. So I ask you today, have you discovered why you do what you do? Have you had one of those weeks where you realize, this is why I do what I do? Does it fulfill this purpose that God has made you to be? My part among you is to encourage you and equip you and inspire you to be the people of God that you should be. And my part is also among the unchurched people that I come into contact with on a regular basis and I build a relationship and friendship with. And your part may not look like my vocation, but you have a far greater purpose in your vocation than maybe you have considered until today. So friends, Israel was certainly in a dark place. You can see it through the details that you find at the end of the book of Judges, and I don't think I need to tell you that this world is in a dark place today. Are we going to be the salt and light amidst the decline and the decay? I hope you ask yourself that question. Let's pray. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBCCPH. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.